I'm really concerned about where we are as a people. And there's cause for concern because people are getting more and more violent, more and more vicious, more and more outspoken, doubling down on things that people used to be afraid to even mention. Things that are coming out of the woodwork, the darkness is trying to overtake the light. Fortunately, we know that the darkness cannot ever overtake the light, but the light has to shine. The light has to shine. If the light doesn't shine, if the light hides, if the light tries to hide under a bushel or hide under a table, then it's like the salt that loses its savor. It's no longer good for anything. People are more concerned about popularity and being liked and video views and, and shares than they are about truth. The truth is not popular. It doesn't trend well, but it resonates with people of truth. And unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of people of truth because the Bible says the road is narrow and few even find it. But those will be the one who will be free. And in that freedom, they will proclaim the things that Father speaks to them, even though it won't be popular, and people will turn on them. Men and women who stand for the Most High, you have to be confident in the fact that you're standing on His truth. You're proclaiming His truth. You're not trying to proclaim some religious truth. You're not trying to proclaim something that supposedly is popular. You know, it's about the truth that make men free. Everybody won't be able to hear it, but some people who have ears to hear, they will hear it, they will gravitate toward it, and they will stand even when the people around them turn against them. Shalom, saints, and welcome to our verse-by-verse study of the book of Exodus. I'm your host and teacher, Arthur Bailey. Jehovah had the power and authority to destroy Pharaoh the first day he sent Moses and Aaron to instruct Pharaoh to let go his firstborn son, the children of Israel. Pharaoh's continual refusal and hardening of his own heart, in addition to Jehovah hardening Pharaoh's heart, set the stage for the demonstration of Jehovah's patience, grace, and mercy toward Pharaoh and the people of Egypt. In this podcast, Jehovah's mercy and grace toward Pharaoh and the people of Egypt is put on full display. In this encounter, Moses and Aaron confront Pharaoh and demonstrate the miraculous power of Jehovah over Pharaoh and the people of Egypt. Today's study title is Jehovah's mercy and grace toward Pharaoh. So, let's study. Today, we are in Exodus chapter 9. We're looking at verses 13 through 35. We're going to be talking about Jehovah's mercy and grace toward Pharaoh. And I wanted to add in there for the people of Egypt, but of course, Pharaoh is the face and the, and the leader. And so it would be all inclusive. Jehovah had the power, as we know, and authority to destroy Pharaoh 
the first day he sent Moses and Aaron to instruct Pharaoh to let go his firstborn son, the children of Israel. However, Pharaoh's continual refusal and hardening of his own heart, in addition to Jehovah hardening Pharaoh's heart, set the stage for the demonstration of Jehovah's patience for his grace and mercy toward Pharaoh and the people of Egypt. And what we're going to see here is Jehovah's mercy and grace toward Pharaoh and the people of Egypt is going to be put on full display as we go through this chapter and as we look at Moses and he and Aaron encountering and confronting Pharaoh and then demonstrating the miraculous power of Jehovah over Pharaoh and the people of Egypt. We know that these plagues, as they are called by some, they're miracles being worked by Jehovah at the behest of Moses and Aaron as he's displaying himself and using Moses and Aaron to confront Pharaoh and to convince Pharaoh to let the people of Israel leave the land of Egypt. In verse 13, it says, And Jehovah said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh and say unto him, Thus saith Jehovah Elohim of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. Now, as you'll see, as we go through this time with Moses and Aaron confronting Pharaoh, that father make emphasis or put emphasis on the fact that this is not just any God, but he is the God specifically of the Hebrew people wanting Pharaoh to know that it is the people, the Hebrew people that he is advocating for and that Pharaoh has exerted his authority over the the Hebrews, which were the people and is the people of Jehovah. In verse 14, it says, for I will at this time send all my plagues upon thine heart and upon thy servants and upon thy people that thou mayest know that there is none like me in all the earth. And this is the thing that he's doing is that he is distinguishing himself from all the other gods. Now we know that according to the history of Egypt, that they served and worshiped other gods. They worshiped idols. They had sorcerers and magicians and priests that were there. We noticed that there were priests in the land when Joseph came into the land and how Pharaoh had divided the land among the priests. And these priests were the priests of the different gods and who served in the different temples that were in the land. As a matter of fact, we know that Joseph was given Asenath, which was the daughter of a priest there in Egypt. And in verse 15, it says, for now I will stretch out my hand that I may smite thee and thy people with pestilence and thou shalt be cut off from the earth. And so what father is about to do here in the land of Egypt because of Pharaoh's hardness of heart and stubbornness and unwilling to let the children of Israel go is that he's about to perform something in the land that would literally cut Egypt off from the rest of the earth and demonstrate a power that had never been demonstrated in the earth or in the nation of Israel or Egypt, as we'll see since his inception in verse 16, it says, and in very deed for this cause, have I raised thee up 
for to show in thee my power and that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. Interesting here that father is telling Pharaoh that he raised him up for this purpose for this time. Why? Because Pharaoh being a very powerful ruler in the land, probably the most powerful ruler in the land. Father is confronting the most powerful individual in the known land at the time. And he says, because of this, I have raised you up. Now, what is going to happen here in the land of Egypt is going to be noised abroad. When Jehovah finally convinces Pharaoh to let the people go, the noise, the word of what has taken place in the land of Egypt will be known throughout all the lands where the people of Israel will sojourn to on their way to the promised land. In verse 16, when Jehovah informed Pharaoh of what he was going to do and why he raised him up after showing him and his power repeatedly, Pharaoh would once again not take heed or obey Jehovah's instructions to let the children of Israel go so that they may serve him. And this is what this is all about. Father is saying the earth is mine, the fullness thereof, everybody is mine, but he chose the Hebrew people as a people that would be an example for all the other nations. And so he selected these individuals based on the promise that he had made with Abraham. He kept that promise through Abraham's seed, Isaac, and then Isaac's seed, Jacob, whom Jehovah changed his name to Israel. And then all the way up until this point, he's watching over the promise that he had made to Abraham and how he would make him the father of many nations. And then he would use this nation to be the light of the nations of the world. And the whole goal, what he wanted is that Israel was to serve him and him alone, no one else. And so Pharaoh has taken Jehovah's people and forced them into servitude to submit to his authority and not yield to the authority of the most high and let his people go. So Jehovah gave Pharaoh a specific warning informing him that he had raised him up to show him his power. And if you remember in the time of Joseph that Elohim had revealed to Pharaoh in a dream what he was going to do in the land of Egypt. Now, this was a different Pharaoh. We find that there was a Pharaoh who rose up who knew not Joseph. But here's one of the things about understanding your history, understanding the nation's history. And fortunately, that that Pharaoh took heed to what Jehovah said and made the necessary preparation to avoid being destroyed by the famine that was about to come. If you remember, father showed Pharaoh a dream And Pharaoh heard about Joseph's ability to interpret the dreams that came from the most high. And Joseph revealed to Pharaoh what was going to happen. That Pharaoh made a decree to put the Hebrew Joseph in charge of that 14 year period to assure that the instructions of the almighty was carried out precisely. And as a result, Egypt was spared and became the breadbasket of the surrounding nations. And what we're going to see here is that the same Elohim who spared a nation and used the nation to make a nation within a nation is about to destroy the very nation that he spared. In verse 25, it says in Genesis 41, we see 
And Joseph said unto Pharaoh, and this is when Pharaoh in the time of Joseph had the dream. And Joseph said unto Pharaoh, the dream of Pharaoh is one. God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to do. Now, Pharaoh could not have listened. Just as we've got this particular Pharaoh that Moses is dealing with, Jehovah is showing Pharaoh through Moses what he's about to do. Now, of course, this Pharaoh is a different Pharaoh. But the previous Pharaoh in Joseph's day said, this is the thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh. Joseph is speaking. What God is about to do, he showeth unto Pharaoh. Now, what's interesting is that father decided to reveal to Pharaoh in the time of Joseph what he was going to do. He uses Moses, whom he says you would be like a God to Pharaoh. And then Aaron as his prophet to reveal to Pharaoh what he's about to do. And there are times when father will reveal to us what he's about to do. And our role, our responsibility is simply to hearken and obey. If we don't hearken and obey, then instead of seeing the good that the almighty desire to do in our lives, we see the opposite thereof. And this is one of the things that I've experienced in my life over and over with the almighty, which have brought me to a place to where, you know, as the prophet says, your arm, your arms are too short. There is no way it's foolish for us to stand against the almighty. It is foolish. And to think that there are a people who believe that the one who changed not the one who is the same today, yesterday and forever, that we, the people can expect the blessings that was associated with his law apart from keeping his law. This is the sad thing about people, especially people who supposedly claim to know the one who doesn't change, who is the same today, yesterday, and forever. The leader of a nation like Pharaoh should know the history of the nation. Had Pharaoh known Egypt's history, he would have known the God of the Hebrews. Why? Because he saved the nation during the time of Joseph. And this wasn't so many years ago. When a leader of a nation forgets its history or decide not to learn the history, then they'll find themselves making some tragic mistakes because, you know, if you don't know the past and the history and the things that a nation has gone through and what father has brought us through, we have a tendency to forget. And when we forget, we find ourselves going through some of those same things and sometimes in worst case scenarios. And so here, Pharaoh didn't know the history. Had he known the history, he would have known about this God of the Hebrews. Unlike that Pharaoh in the time of Joseph, the Pharaoh in the time of Moses was a very different person altogether who not only rejected God's instructions and warnings, but to great peril to himself and to his nation. And so Pharaoh laid claim to Jehovah's people and denied Jehovah to his own peril. What Jehovah was about to do in the land of Egypt had never been done before. Miracles so great, it would seem impossible to be done. And this is where rain, hail, 
and fire is all happening at the same time. Now, I try to envision this because I've seen hail. I've been in a, a situation several times. As a matter of fact, I've had to make insurance claims because of the damage hail have done to a house I lived in, to vehicles that were left out uncovered. And hail can do some serious damage. And yet, hail is also ice. It's like a compressed water. And what's unique about this particular situation is there's going to be fire moving along the ground, hail coming down out of the sky, thunder and lightning, and it would seem as if the fire would not be able to move along the ground because the ice of the hail is covering the ground. I mean, you know, when I try to envision this picture, it would look surreal. In fact, it would look unreal. It's like fire burning water. <laughs> Verse 17, Exodus 9. As yet exhaustest thou thyself against my people, that thou will not let them go. And so Moses is being instructed to tell Pharaoh, Pharaoh, look, you are putting yourself over my people. These are my people. I've told you several times, let them go. You refuse to let them go. You exalt yourself over them and you will not let them go. And so instead of humbling himself before Jehovah, Pharaoh laid claim to Jehovah's people and denied Jehovah. Again, this he did to his own peril. And again, this is a different kind of leader. And you'll see, you know, as you grow, I've watched the different types of leaderships in this nation. I've looked at the history. Anytime I go to a country, I read its history. I try to understand the lay of the land, the law of the land, the different beliefs and the systems, the different tribes. If I'm going to tribal lands, I want to know if, if we're traveling and we're covering ground, the different tribes and even their belief systems and trying to understand where I'm going and what I'm working with. And so watching these different kinds of leaders, you see leaders rise, you see leaders fall, you see nations rise, you see nations fall, you see the cause of the fall of a nation, you see the benefits of a nation rise, and sometimes the foundation in which that nation was able to rise to power. We know that even in this nation, we've seen our nation the United States of America go through different power shifts and power struggles. We've seen it go through different changes in times and different philosophies, different individuals with different ideas on how to make the nation a great nation. And we see the different types of political agendas that come and go some benefit and some don't benefit and how it creates problems in the long haul. And over the course of time, it seems that if the people of today forget the history, and these are some of the things that causes nations that were once great 
to fall. Remember Rome. The Roman Empire is now more or less a religious empire than it was a physical empire because of the Roman Catholic Church. You look at Egypt. Egypt was a very a powerful force. You look at the Assyrians and the Persians, the Greeks. We've got biblical history that goes all the way back to creation. And you can see how nations rose and how nations fall. And so Egypt is about to suffer because it's lack of history or understanding of history, especially understanding the history of the Hebrew people and the God of the Hebrew people. So what Jehovah was about to do in the land of Egypt had never been done before. Again, uh, miracles so great. He says in verse 18, tomorrow about this time, I will cause it to rain a very grievous hail, such as hath not been in Egypt since the foundation thereof, even until now. And so now he's about to show mercy. And you and I can both agree that Pharaoh at this particular point probably didn't deserve the mercy he was about to be shown. Why? Because he had continually refused to let the people go. And even once he said he would let the people go, changed his mind. And part of it is because his heart was hard. And as a result of already having a hard heart, it wasn't hard for his heart to be hardened. (laughs) Yeah. Don't ask me to repeat that. Then therefore now, verse 19, and gather thy cattle. Now notice what he's about to say. Pharaoh, I'm about to do some stuff in your land. I'm about to destroy some stuff. So listen. Send therefore now and gather thy cattle and all that thou hast in the field. For upon every man and beast which shall be found in the field and shall not be brought home the hail shall come down upon them and they shall die. So what do, what do we see about to happen? Father is about to kill some animals and he's about to kill some people, but he's giving Pharaoh a warning. Nobody has to die. Nobody has to die. No beast have to die. All Pharaoh has to do is to follow this simple instruction. Now, Pharaoh hasn't followed any other instruction, has he? He hasn't listened. And because of his refusal to listen, even to the point, and here's the thing, brothers and sisters, is is something the people trusted or believed or looked to the Pharaoh, the king, for their protection. And yet he was derelict in his duty. Jehovah shows mercy to Pharaoh by informing him how to save his cattle and his people. All you got to do is bring them out from the field so that they would be protected. That's it. Just issue the notice saying, hey, listen, Egyptians, take your animals and you all come out of the field because some stuff is about to go down. Some of Pharaoh's servants followed the instructions and was saved and their cattle. 
others ignored God's instructions and were destroyed along with their animals. The hail and fire destroyed the herbs, the trees, the man and beast that remain exposed in the fields. And so here's the thing in the midst of what was going on in Egypt. Some of the Egyptians feared the word of Jehovah and followed his instructions. Verse 20, he that feared the word of Jehovah among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his cattle flee into the house. Now, we know that when the children of Israel finally leave out of Egypt, that there is a multitude. The Bible doesn't tell us the nationalities of this people, but he says that there is a great multitude, a mixed multitude. I suspect that some of those individuals were Egyptians. Why? Because this verse says, he that feared the word of Jehovah among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his cattle flee into the houses. These may have been some of those who ultimately came out of Egypt with the Israelites. Verse 21, and he that regarded not the word of Jehovah left his servants and his cattle in the field. What do you think happened to them? They were destroyed. I'm going to tell you some brothers and sisters, it is a dangerous thing not to take heed to the instructions that the almighty gives us. Father doesn't give us prophecy. He doesn't warn us about things to destroy us. He tells us about these things to protect us, to preserve us, to save us, to deliver us. But when we fail to heed the instructions that he give us, then we see the outcome that is not favorable. These are they whose heart was hardened along with their Pharaoh. And we're going to see later on that not only was Pharaoh heart hardened, but his servant's heart was hardened as well. There will always be those who will follow their leaders, regardless to what Jehovah and his word says. There will always be those who will follow their leaders, regardless to what Jehovah and his word says. We've seen it. We've seen it. Some would argue that the founding fathers have made statements concerning our nation, this nation, this nation of America, and that if the people decide at any point that they would disregard the God who they believed was behind the formation of this nation, that it would be to great peril to the nation. And we've seen how once what was considered a godly nation transform into a lot of ungodly things. We're seeing it continuing in our lifetime, we're seeing the things that father call abomination being made acceptable by law, being argued in the courts of law, rights that are supposed to be according to scripture, where people would claim that the constitution was something that was adopted and adapted to cause a godly nation to live by laws that supposedly are godly only to find that the very laws that were adapted make abominations legal. We see how people argued the constitution in order to support abortions, the rights of abortions, and then even federally funded. We see how 
the Constitution was argued to remove prayers from schools. The Constitution was used and argued to support LGBTQ rights, same-sex marriages, the kinds of things that the Scripture calls an abomination that is actually lawful. And regardless, without changing some wording in the Constitution, it will continue to be lawful. There are things that the Constitution of the United States protects. It protects the rights of others to live ungodly and the laws protect them to live however they choose as they interpret life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And yet these are things that the Almighty calls abominable according to his word. And yet that's the law of the land. The Bible is not the law of the land. Then you have religion, you have religious leaders. And, you know, when you think about a constitution that separates religion from its work as far as laws and laws not being made based on religion, and then you have all of the different religious beliefs, denominations, doctrines of individuals, You'll find people who can use the Bible to support things that the Bible doesn't support, while others use the Bible to argue against the things that they argue that the Bible support. And the Bible cannot necessarily be a religious test for political agendas because it has been removed. And when you have different denominations who are believing different ways and who see things from a different perspective, then people twist and manipulate the things that are written for their own agendas. And so these kinds of things will happen. You'll have people on both sides of the aisles, both arguing from the same book, but the constitution is the law of the land, not the Bible. And you have individuals who come out of these churches, out of these religious institutions and argue things that one question whether or not they even believe. And yet this is what we have. But on top of that, you have all of these people behind them supporting disbeliefs. All these people arguing and going to the ballot box and putting their voice behind laws and politicians who support things that no person seems who believe there is an Elohim would support. In verse 22 of Exodus 9, it says, And Jehovah said unto Moses, Stretch forth your hand toward heaven. So now that he's told Pharaoh, Listen, I've warned you. Tell your people, some listened, some didn't. And now stretch forth your hand toward heaven that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt, upon man and upon beast and upon every herb of the field throughout the land of Egypt. Verse 23, and Moses stretched forth his rod toward heaven and Jehovah sent thunder and hail and fire ran along upon the ground. <laughs> that had to be a sight. Now, for those of you who, who know about the types of structures, a lot of the structures weren't made of wood. They were made of brick. 
And so even with the fire moving in the land, the fire is going to burn those things that are burnable. But fire is moving along the ground and Jehovah rain hail upon the land of Egypt. So what do you have? You have thunder. You have hail. You've got fire and hail raining down on the fire. And yet disaster. So verse 24, there was hail and fire mingled with the hail. It was very grievous such as there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail smote throughout all the land of Egypt. All that was in the, excuse me, in the field is smote both man and beast. And the hail smote every herb of the field and break every tree of the field. This is some strong hail to where it's coming down so fiercely that it's breaking branches. It's destroying trees. It's pounding men and beasts to death. No cover, no retreat, no refuge. Only in the land of Goshen where the children of Israel, where the children of Israel were, was there no hell. And here we see Father knows how to preserve and protect his people, even in the midst of catastrophes and disasters. And I can certainly say, you know, that regardless to whatever pandemic, whatever catastrophe, whatever disaster, we, the children of Israel, the people of Jehovah, the Hebrew people, we should not fear. Once we give in to fear, then of course, you know, we open the door for the enemy to bring things on us that we shouldn't be having to deal with. And that doesn't mean that we won't have challenges and difficulties, even when we have faith, because in our faith, you know, it'd be nice if we were 100% faith up 100% of the time, but in our humanness, that seems to be a difficult place to find ourselves and all you got to do in this world is let your guard down just for a moment. It doesn't take much to give place to the enemy. And this is why it's so important that we have to be mindful, constantly monitoring ourselves and our thoughts and our actions, our words, everything about us so that we are yielding ourselves as best we can 100% of the time, even though we know that that is a serious challenge. Pharaoh acknowledged his sin and he acknowledged the wickedness of his people. And yet we're going to see that after he acknowledged them, he continued to sin. And this is how people can be. Sometimes they know they did wrong. They know what they're doing is wrong, but they don't seem to plan on anytime soon stopping doing what's wrong. It's as if, you know, you touched the fire already and it burnt. What makes you think it's not going to burn you if you touch it again? Why do people go around some of the same mountains? How is it that people go from one bad relationship to another bad relationship to another bad relationship? You find people who are in get rich quick schemes. They go from one scam to another scam to another scam. Is it like, when are you going to learn? You see people, you see jails being built. You see uh, juvenile detention centers being built. You see prisons being built. And yet these prisons are growing and people are being incarcerated and folks are being taken 
uh, to jail and prison. And for some reason, some people think that they can do the same thing other people did, but they're not going to get caught. And what happened to other people is not going to happen to them. It's as if people don't learn from other people's mistakes and they don't learn from the history in the past. And especially when it comes down to crime, you, people don't think about the penalties of the crimes that they're about to commit before they commit the crimes only to be faced with the penalties afterwards. And now feeling bad for what they have done. And as if had they known better, they wouldn't have done it. I'm looking at some of the stuff. I mean, some of you all, you, you know what happened January 6th in, in Washington, D.C., and you see they've got hundreds of people that are on dockets that are going into the court systems, and some of these people are going to do some time. They're going to do some hard time. They're going to do some serious time because they were fighting for a cause, and if the cause that they were fighting was a righteous cause, then the laws should protect them. But you can't fight a righteous cause breaking the very laws that govern. Because once that happens, then the laws that is supposed to protect you when you violate them, they work against you. And that's the same thing with Jehovah's laws. Jehovah's laws are designed to protect us. You know, I wrote a post this morning is how can you expect the blessings that are contained in the law by not keeping the law? Matter of fact, the law contains blessings and curses, blessings for those who obey the laws and curses for those who disobey the laws. If a person knows that the curses are for those who disobey the law, why would they disobey the law and not expect the curses? If you know that the blessings of the law, keeping and obeying the law brings blessings, why would you not obey the law if you want the blessings that is contained in the law? And to hear, you know, for years I heard in the churches that I was in, Christian churches, under grace churches, churches that believe we, we didn't have to keep the law, but then trying to claim the promises that were contained in the law, you know, being the head and not the tail above only and not beneath blessed in the field, blessed in the city. And all you put your hands to blessed. I mean, blessed in the womb. It's just so much that is conditional. See, Jehovah's laws are conditional. His love is unconditional. But his laws are conditional. He loves us regardless. But if we want to see the blessings that he has promised, the blessings that he has promised comes with the conditions that is associated with the promise. To expect it would be like a child who disobeyed the parents and now they got a problem because the parents don't want to get them what they want. Well, how can you expect your parents to be excited about doing things for you when you disobey your parents? It's a sad thing because most parents that I know want to bless their children. In fact, some parents provide and bless for them and bless their children when they are doing wrong and it, it strengthens the rebellion. You can't reward bad behavior. 
because it'll work against you in the long run. There is an entitlement that people have. And what the church has done has taught people to be entitled regardless based on the unconditional love of God, not knowing that the blessings of God has conditions. They are conditional. Those who should be operating in the blessings find themselves operating opposite to the blessings because they reject the conditions that is associated with the blessings. Verse 27, and Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said unto them, I have sinned this time. Now he acknowledges it. He admits it. The Lord is righteous and I and my people are wicked. Now this is Pharaoh's own confession. Entreat Jehovah for it is enough that there be no more mighty thunderings in hell and I will let you go and you shall stay no longer. And Moses said unto him, as soon as I am going out of the city, I will spread abroad my hands unto Jehovah and the thunder shall cease. Neither shall there be any more hell that thou mayest know how that the earth is Jehovah's. And so what is he doing this? You're going to see. Now, what Pharaoh should have already seen is like, you know, Moses is nobody to play with in the sense that he's the representative of the Most High. When Moses show up, stuff happens. Moses show up. He tell you what's going to happen before it happens. It happens. You talk to him and the very one who told you it was going to happen, who brought it about by the hand of the Almighty, now bring it to an end, and it seems as if Pharaoh still won't learn. Moses knew Pharaoh would not keep his words because Jehovah had told him. This is the thing some of you heard me say. Father has shown me there are times when he's given me specific words for specific people and then told me what they were going to do if I gave them that word. And they did just that. He has shown me about people and father will do that. He will show you who people are. People will show you who they are. If you pay attention, their words, their actions, when a person's words and their actions align, you see a person who believe what they say. When a person is saying something and their actions don't align, you see a person who don't believe what they say. But if a person tell you they're going to do something and then they do it, then you know that's believable. And there are people who will tell you what they're going to do. There are people who will reveal their own heart. They'll reveal their motives. They'll reveal it over and over and over again. And for some reason or another, this is where brothers and sisters have all the faith in the world, have all the hope that people can change. But if people keep telling you what they're going to do and showing you what they're going to do until you see change, you better understand what you're dealing with. This is who you're dealing with. Like John, who said to those Pharisees, bring fruit, meat worthy of repentance. In other words, I'll believe you when I see the change. Don't tell me you're going to change. Show me the change. 
But it's for thee and thy servants. I know that you will not yet fear Jehovah Elohim. And the flax and the barley was smitten for the barley was in the ear and the flax was boiled, meaning it was, it was blooming. But the wheat and the rye were not smitten for they were not grown up. And people try to use these terms here to determine whether or not it was barley that was aviv or wheat that was aviv to determine which crop is supposed to be where during Passover and all these kinds of things. And they're basing their arguments about something that has happened in another land that is miles and miles away from the land of Israel. Not to mention the fact, now I tried to do some calculations of how long it took from the time Moses showed up in the land of Egypt to confront Pharaoh, to tell Pharaoh to let the people go to the time Pharaoh actually let the people go. And there's several weeks. It's very difficult to actually put an accurate timeline because some plagues lasted a certain amount of time, not knowing the amount of time between one visit to the next visit. It seemed like it's all happening right behind each other in a matter of days. But in fact, it's a matter of months. And again, difficult to calculate from the time Moses showed up to the time the children of Israel left the land. Verse 34. And when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunders were ceased, he sinned yet more. And notice this and harden his heart. He and his servants. He hardened his heart and his servants hardened his heart. Now I would dare say these weren't the servants who took heed to the word of Jehovah. It's something, and this is sad, but there are people out there who are operating out of their hurt. They're operating out of a hard heart because of things that have happened. And when they operate in that and they set in motion resistance from those whom they are operating toward and more hurt comes upon them, they have a tendency to get even harder. It seems as if if what you are doing is not working, in other words, is making life difficult and harder for you, wisdom should kick in and say, this ain't working. But instead of wisdom kicking in saying this ain't working, some people get worse. They get harder. They get angrier. They get more persistent instead of humbling themselves and repenting for their behavior. And here's the case. Now, father warned them what was going to happen. So why would they hard be getting hard? It's like, listen, you didn't follow the instructions. It's not like he just showed up and stuff happened. And now folks are, are dumbfounded, like what happened? And then they come to find out 
he did it and then they develop uh, anger toward him and his people know. It says, listen, here's what I'm going to do if you don't do this. Here's what I'm going to do if you don't do this. It's like that child. You told them, you told them, if you do this, you know, I'm going to punish you. And for, for whatever reason, they go out and do it. And now you got to punish them. And they got a problem with you because you told them if they did this, they're going to get punished. And now what do they do? Instead of repenting, humbling themselves, Pharaoh continued to sin, harden his heart, he and his servants. So Pharaoh continued to sin and harden his hearts. His servants also hardened their hearts, just like their leader did. When you have a defiant person, when you have a defiant leader, you'll find that those who follow. Remember when we were going through John and as we're going through Matthew, we find that there were the Yeshua's. He warned his disciples. He says, beware of the Pharisees, beware of the Sadducees and beware of the Herodians. The Herodians were the people who followed the king, Herod, long live Herod. These are people who, for whatever reason, that king spoke for them or that king paved the way for them or that king did something that was within them that they honored. Here's how people become beholden to leaders and parties. And I'm going to tell you something. There's nothing that is more evident in the earth than the commitment to different fraternities, different sororities and different political affiliations. Whereas once a person becomes a part of that system and they they live, breathe, and die by that system. That system can't do no wrong. Even intelligent-minded people have a tendency to lose their mind when they affiliate and pledge allegiance to a particular system, even when the system is wrong and they see and know that what is happening in that system is wrong and they still try to hold that system up because they are part of it. It doesn't matter how much a person says, well, we know that there are some bad people among us. Then how can you support the bad people among you? What do you do? Why do you cover up for them? Why do you hide them? And I'm going to tell you, it's not just in the political arena, brothers and sisters. It is so much in the church. You look at the Catholic church, how they knew that there was all of this, abuse that was taking place. And instead of weeding that abuse out, they hid it. They covered it up. They covered up those who were doing the abuse. They even went as far as trying to protect them and then putting them in other places where instead of getting the people the help where they could actually deal with the brokenness within themselves, they put them in other places where they could do more damage and more harm. And that's not just in the Catholic church. The Protestants did the same thing. Catholics, the Protestants, different denominations, 
a covering up the sin and talking about touch not God's anointed. God's anointed don't do that kind of stuff. Father doesn't anoint wickedness. He doesn't anoint evil. And anybody who's doing wicked and evil, you know, those who cover up wickedness are just as guilty as the ones who are doing the wickedness. And so Pharaoh continued to sin and those who followed him, they hardened their heart and the heart of Pharaoh was hardened. Neither would he let the children of Israel go as the Lord has spoken by Moses. So Moses was informed. Yeah, he's going to say he's going to do it, but he's not going to do it. But don't worry. I got some more stuff for him. And here's where I'm amazed with all that is happening in the world and all that has happened in the world that people still defy, deny, ignore, and harden their hearts toward the creator who made all things. It should be obvious to some, especially those who believe in a divine creator or that believe there is a God to see all the things that are happening in the world and not repent and draw closer to him. What Jehovah did in this particular plague in Egypt was clear that it was he who was bringing this miracle of destruction upon Pharaoh and the Egyptians. It is also clear that several people among the Egyptians believed the things Moses said, took heed to the warnings that were given and did what was instructed in order to protect their people and their livestock. As I look around and I see I, in my lifetime at 62, I don't ever remember a pandemic that has affected the world the way we are being affected. And I know that there are people out there with different philosophies, different beliefs as far as how it started. Is it real? You know, the deaths, the folks who are affected. I mean, there's a lot of philosophy and talk around that, but nobody can deny the fact that there's not a nation on the planet, a nation in the world that has not been affected. The economics of nations that have been affected, political agendas that have been affected, change that has been affected, economic powerhouses that have come to a standstill. And yet, in the midst of all of this destruction, there has been billionaires made, people who have made a lot of money, and people who have lost practically everything. We can't rule the Almighty out of this because if we believe there's a creator, he's definitely aware of what's going on. And just as Egypt was affected in the midst of all of what was going on during this time, the creator was making it happen and at the same time preserving his people while it was happening. And this is why it's important. You know, they could talk about all of this COVID and vaccines and people putting their faith in the vaccines and a lot of information that they don't know people, how it's affecting folks, folks who are standing in line, creating this desire to be vaccinated and, and all the kinds of things that is going on along with it. And yet, in the midst of all this, the Almighty is still in control. The Almighty is in control. And that's, that's where our faith should be. I was reading something today about this whole AstraZeneca thing. They're saying it shouldn't be given to people over 65. Now, they never said that before. I mean, it's, it's just a, a lot of unknowns for a lot of people, and a lot of people don't care. 
But wherever a person is, that's where they are. And where we should be as people is we should put our faith, our trust in the most high. And I know that there's people out there who've prayed and they believe they've gotten a release. And if they've gotten a release, walk in your faith. Those who haven't walk in your faith. What it all boils down to is you have to walk by faith. You have to be led by his spirit and don't try to push your agenda on somebody else. The almighty is the one who we should be listening to and following his lead. And so some of the Egyptians believed the things Moses said and took heed. And as a result, they were protected. The others, they didn't. The mixture of Pharaoh hardening his own heart and Jehovah hardening his heart seemingly was known only to Jehovah and to Moses because it doesn't seem as if father said, I'm going to harden your heart, Pharaoh. He told Moses, Moses, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. So when Pharaoh doesn't say or do what he say, understand that his heart is hard. And part of it is my doing. And so it is not clear. Pharaoh knew Jehovah was hardening his heart, but Jehovah reminded Moses he would harden Pharaoh's heart and that Pharaoh would not let the people go. All of these plagues were assigned not only to Moses and to Aaron, but to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians. It was a sign to the Israelites, to the surrounding nations, and most importantly to us to show what happens when men harden their hearts toward Jehovah and refuse to do what he instructs. There are lots of reasons why men harden their hearts toward Jehovah. Pride is a big one, probably the most common reason. Men don't want to be told what to do. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. Sin. Men are born into sin and have a fallen nature. Therefore, men gravitate to the things of this world, the things of the flesh, the things that make him feel good. This is why drugs and alcohol and all of these other types of, of vices that people open themselves up to and then they get caught up and they form habits and they become addictive to vices. Things that make them feel good. And now they become dependent on a feel good. The things of darkness. It's something about how the things that are hidden, you know, um, forbidden fruit seems to be more desirable for some people. When in fact, you know, it's got a hook in it. Yeshua said men love darkness and would not come to the light for their deeds are evil. So what do we have? Fallen, depraved, wicked, evil men. This is why the heart is deceitful. People will say what they want to say, but look at their actions. Look at their fruit. Look at what they do. Yeshua said, and this is the condemnation. The light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. When did men's deeds become evil? Men's deeds became evil from the fall. From the fall. We're all evil. The only thing that keeps us from acting out the evil that is in this fallen nature is when we allow the light of Messiah to come into our heart and begin to clean up this ugly, dark mess. That's the only hope for us. It's the only hope you can make all the laws. There'll always be people breaking laws and get this. 
if men refuse to obey the laws of the creator, there is no laws that men can make that can force men to obey. None. You can throw them in prison. You could build prisons every day. You could build prisons and institutions and death rows and, and all kinds of institutions and take people off the streets. But you'll never be able to force men to obey man's law. People obey the laws they want. They'll skirt around the ones they don't like, and they'll find loopholes in the others, and then they'll find lawyers to get them off if they got enough money. Most men want to do what they have in their own hearts to do. Every man wants to live his life the way he wants to live it without anyone telling him what he can and cannot do. It is not uncommon for a man to view himself as the supreme authority in his life. After all, man was made in the likeness and image of God. He's even referred to as a God. And when you look at nations, you look at a king over a nation who rule over people, all the more view himself as the supreme authority in the land. So you're going to have somebody come and tell you to do something and you the run who rules. You run this. You want to dictate. You want to tell people what to do. And then anybody who don't want to do what you tell them to do, guess what? You go after them. You try to take their livelihoods away from them, take their lives away from them. You now develop a vendetta, and now you make it your life mission to make them pay for defying you. This kind of stuff has been going on from the beginning of time, and it got men scared to stand to speak what is right because they are afraid of other men. Men afraid of men. Individuals who exalt themselves to be powerful people and then build a coalition of individuals who come behind them and support them and make other men afraid to speak against them because now they are fearful. They're fearful that somebody following them is going to turn on them. And if you got ambition to be somebody and you need endorsements from other people, you're not going to rock them boats. And this is what set prophets. It set men of God from everybody else because they will speak even on pain of death. What the almighty gives them to say, even to the most powerful power person on the planet. And this is what got him killed. Father, send the prophets to speak to those people who claim to have power and those people who had power turn on the prophets. We who know better know every knee will bow. Every king, every president, every prime minister, every ruler, every politician, every person will bow the knee to the Lord Jehovah. King of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth, the maker of all things. And every tongue will confess Yeshua is Lord. This is what it's going to come down to. And we're going to see, we're going to see, because I know even now, you know, I, I listened and I watched, I'm really concerned about where we are as a people. And there's cause for concern because people are getting more and more violent, 
more and more vicious, more and more outspoken, more and more doubling down on things that people used to be afraid to even mention. Things that are coming out of the woodwork, the darkness is trying to overtake the light. Fortunately, we know that the darkness cannot ever overtake the light, but the light has to shine. The light has to shine. If the light doesn't shine, if the light hides, if the light, you know, tries to hide under a bushel or hide under a table, you know, then it's like the salt that loses its savor. It's no longer good for anything. People are more concerned about popularity and being liked and video views and, and shares than they are about truth. The truth is not popular. It doesn't trend well, but it resonates with people of truth. And unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of people of truth because the Bible says the road is narrow and few even find it. But those will be the one who will be free. And in that freedom, they will proclaim the things that father speaks to them, even though it won't be popular and people will turn on them. Men and women who stand for the most high, you have to be confident in the fact that you're standing on his truth. You're proclaiming his truth. You're not trying to proclaim some religious truth. You're not trying to proclaim something that supposedly is popular. You know, it's about the truth that make men free. Everybody won't be able to hear it, but some people who have ears to hear, they will hear it. They will gravitate toward it and they will stand even when the people around them turn against them because Pharaoh did not know his nation's history and the God of the Hebrews who saved his nation in the past and used that nation to make a nation of his people. That same Elohim would destroy the very nation. It once saved and used. This is my concern. Even for the United States of America. There's no question that father has used this nation. There's no question. As I look around the world, I see the influence of America around the world. I was even thinking this morning, and I know that, you know, English did not come from Americans, but, you know, wherever you find English speaking people, you'll find America's influence. Find America's influence. America has impacted and influenced more nations in the world than any other nation. And just as it has been used by the almighty, he will exalt one and take down another. And we've seen nations exalted and we've seen nations abased. So as far as the people of Jehovah, it's so important to understand that father will build his people, the nation of Israel within a nation. And that's what he's doing right now. He's calling those who have ears to hear. 
those who will hear and shema hear and obey they won't be packing on the agenda of judaism they won't be packing on the agenda of christianity they won't be packing on the agenda of democrats and republicans they won't be packing on the agenda of patriotism or any other agenda other than the kingdom gospel the gospel of the kingdom it is the only hope for man Thank you for listening to our podcast today. You can find more inspirational teachings and download our free ebooks on our ministry website at arthurbaileyministries.com. Please follow us on Facebook at House of Israel Arthur Bailey Ministries, on Instagram at Apostle Arthur Bailey, on Twitter at Apostle Bailey, and you can subscribe to our YouTube page at Apostle Arthur Bailey One. If you're in the Charlotte area, please come and fellowship with us. We'll do our best to make you feel right at home. Our address is on our website at the About link under Contact Us. Again, thank you for joining us, and until next time, Shalom Saints. <music>